Partnering with influencers to attract customers is fast replacing madmen type ads and jingles. And today's guest says almost half of consumers depend on recommendations, not ads, before making a decision to buy. So how can your business jump on the influencer and partnering bandwagon to get the word out about your terrific product or service? Today's guest has some answers. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I've got a great show for you today. My guest is Dave Yovano. He's partnership automation expert and a CEO of Impact.com, where he's been a pioneer in establishing partnerships as a third channel for scalable and resilient revenue growth alongside sales and marketing. He's also author of the book, The Partnership Economy, How Modern Businesses Find New Customers, Grow Revenue, and Deliver Exceptional Experiences, where he explains why traditional advertising is failing, why partnerships are the future, and what this means for you and your customers. It's such an important topic for businesses interested in growth who don't want to waste their time or their valuable advertising dollars. So let's dive in. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for being here. The subtitle of your book, How Modern Businesses Find New Customers, Grow Revenue, and Deliver Exceptional Experiences, is really intriguing. What is it about partnering with influencers that's better than traditional advertising? I mean, is old school advertising really dead? Well, I think the subtitle, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but actually does nail it. It's, It's hard to find customers today. And if you think about as to why that is, I would say it starts with, number one, there's just a lot of consumerism today. Like as as an economy, especially in the U.S., people are just buying a lot of stuff. And I think maybe the pandemic accelerated that. People sitting at home, maybe with a little bit of subsidy money to work with, but certainly bored searching around the Internet and researching things online and just buying. But then my theory is that it's kind of led to that dopamine effect. You know, when you come home and there's a package waiting for you, there's that chemical reaction where you're actually excited or upset if it's not there then you expected it to be there. When you post something on social media, you know, you're waiting for somebody to like or comment on the fact that people talk about. I think that same thing's happening with shopping. You know, there's a lot more choice of things to buy out there today as well. Like Shopify, for example, is one of the big e-commerce platforms that allows you to open up a store. You go back like 10 years ago, there was about 40,000 stores, I think, on their platform. There's 2 million stores on their platform right now. So, you know, I think there's just a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of buying happening. There's a lot of choice of things to buy. And, you know, I think it's just getting harder and harder for brands to kind of cut through that noise and reach people. And I think what we would all agree with is that a lot of the buying behavior that happens now, it's less about what brands are saying directly to the buyer, and it's more about what other people are saying about you. And I think that's the primary path of making decisions about what to buy, where to buy, it's what other people are saying. Well, I understand where that's coming from. And I guess that's good news and bad news. I mean, there was something about those advertising jingles that just keep repeating in your head over and over again, like an earworm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, yeah. something I guess has gotten <laughs> lost. But your point is well taken about, you know, people going on recommendations and well think about that that's actually worth unpacking and if you'll allow me sure. if you go back for years like early 1900s is when 
uh, radio started, and then in that same year, the first TV stations came out. So that was, that was exactly 100 years ago, roughly, roughly 100 years ago. And think about what it was like back then. We're all sitting around the same radio stations and then all the same very few TV stations. And what happened when media started? It was just a few choices of channels because it was so expensive, just a few advertisers. To your point, we're all saying the same jingle. We're all running out and buying the same products that we were told to go buy. And there was no like check and reference of the quality, you know, you know, what's the best option. And there certainly weren't as many options as there were back then as there are now. But you, you fast forward to the age of the Internet, which happened roughly 30 years ago, and then the rise of these social publishing platforms where, you know, you're, we're in a situation now where there's just been free and open access to fully transparent information about what's real and what's not. Again, going back 100 years ago, what were those early ads? Think about it. It's almost laughable. Four out of five doctors says it's okay to smoke, you know, and do other crazy things. And, you know, it's like people, I think, feel like they've been lied to for a number of years. And then with the rise of these social platforms, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, blogs, major publications now are putting a lot of time and effort into rating and reviewing and talking about products. And they're talking with a high degree of like authenticity, transparency, and truth. And I think there's just a lot more of that information out there now. And this has been building just in the last five to seven years is when this critical mass of commercial-based information and content has been democratized and readily available on some of these social publishing platforms. And I think that the modern consumer today is trained to go seek out information, find out what's real. What's the real deal about this product? Maybe I saw an ad, maybe I didn't, but I am going to go do my research to see what other people have to say about it before I buy. That's the main point that we're making. And, and we're trying to inspire businesses to realize is that your new path to the modern consumer is forming an alliance with these creators of information. You know, spend time with them, inform them, get them to be a partner with you. And so they're you know, presenting accurate information about yourself provide links for them to go shop and purchase with you. And if you do that, you're able to credit them for the sale. You know, it's kind of like, it's like an outsourced sales team almost, right? You can pay them a commission, you can pay them a fixed fee. There's lots of different ways to do it. Technology like my company, Impact.com, help, help, help allow you to kind of scale that and manage that all. But this is the modern way to cut through and be relevant. All right. So this is the modern way. And we want to be modern to, to be able to reach the <laughs> consumers who want our products and services. Check. Got that. Now, let's say, you know, I'm new to this, and how do I go about partnering with influencers to make these alliances? How do you find the right ones? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I would say it does sound overwhelming because it is new. It, you know, there's a lot of, well, I think a lot of businesses first are forced to do this when you look at the rising ad rates on platforms like Facebook and some of the other popular places to run ads, Google, Snapchat now, and a few others. Amazon has been an increasing place to, to run ads. I think a lot of businesses are forced to figure this out. Your your ad rates on these uh, top platforms where you have to trust them to do all the targeting, tracking, and measurement now because, you know, with the block IDFA, with Apple devices, Google's doing away with their cookie. There's a lot. You probably read a lot about some of the restrictions now to what you can track and, and can't track on, online now. So ad rates have gone up as a result of all that. Businesses have to figure this out. It sounds overwhelming, but it's not. So to answer your question, it just starts with, you know, uh, just follow the path of your customers or your prospective customers. And just, I would encourage you to ask them, like, what are other sources of information that you looked at before buying my product? Find 
you know, there's a, a chapter in the book, uh, I think it's chapter five, it's called The Six Building Blocks of, of Building Your Program Here. And it just starts with just understanding your ideal customer profile, understanding where they source information before purchasing your product or compatible products, you know, like, like uh, complementary sort of products. Uh, they're buying from other businesses. They're sourcing other information. Find those, those sources out and go talk to those sources because those sources are your potential partners, right? And what you're looking for is, you know, do you share the same customer profile? Are you compatible? Is there a brand fit? Is there an opportunity to integrate with each other, refer each other business in different ways? And that's the start of your partner program. And as it gets to scale, then you can, you know, think about technology that you might need to automate some of those things. But it just starts with talking to your customers and finding out how they're sourcing information, what are other complementary products, and then just, you know, forming a, a conversation with those prospective partners. All right. Well, how do you make sure that partnering with influencers dovetails and supports your business goals? I mean, what do you really look out for? It's one thing to say, well, talk to your customers. In some businesses, that may be easier to do than others. Yeah, I can give you a couple examples. If we unpack that just a little bit deeper, Again, that's the, the chapter of the six building blocks in chapter five. You know, there's an example here. Let me give you an example. So okay. we have two customers that I'm looking at here in this example. One is a company called Wink. They sell direct consumer wine subscription. There is another business called Sunbasket. They're a direct consumer pre-made meal service that some of your audience members have heard of, where you you know you get a box of meal components, you put some things together, you heat it up, and you have your meal. That's Sunbasket. They have a partner program with creators, you know, people that talk about you know great ways to get get meals directly delivered to your home or wine directly delivered to your home. There's a lot of wine enthusiasts, creators, and influencers out there. There's blog. There's Food and Wine is a major magazine, a Meredith brand that talks about the best subscriptions. So that's part of their program, but they're also partners with each other. And that what they do is they insert with each other. So if I'm a Sunbasket subscriber, I get my, my meal, and there's this little postcard thing that comes with the meal. And it says, hey, we thought you might enjoy some wine with your meal. We're partnered with Wink. We've toured their facilities. We see how they manufacture their wine, how they source their ingredients, how they treat their employees. This is a business that has value that match ours. Use this code. Maybe you'll get a discount on their wine subscription. But, you know, have a glass of wine on us. And then Wink is doing the exact same thing. As you're getting your package of wine, you might have a postcard that says, hey, we thought you might enjoy a meal with your wine. You know, we've partnered with Sunbasket. Same thing. You know, we've, we've toured the facility. We've met them. This is a company that we stand behind. If you're going to get a direct consumer meal, we suggest that you get it through Sunbasket. Very simple thing to do. It's just an insert. And there's a way to track that. You understand its value. It could be earned where you're you're just agreeing to insert each other. It could be you're paying them a commission on a new subscriber. You know, lots of different ways to do that. I can give you another example if you're interested for just other business types. There's a, there's a brand uh, that we've worked with at Impact.com called Avocado Brands. And they make 100% organic, toxic-free products. They started with mattresses. They've gotten into apparel now. They've invited major editors, like Better Homes and Garden editors as part of Meredith as well. There are creators that have uh, YouTube channels that are dedicated to 100% how to design a toxic-free home. They have interior designers that will visit your home. That's their whole business is consulting with homeowners on how to design a toxic-free home. And they've invited them to their facility. They open up their mattresses. They, They show them how they manufacture their goods, why it's important. The founder of 
avocado brand's son when he was younger got sick. They traced it to some you know element of a mattress that he was uh, made him uh, you know near death sort of experience. So there's an interesting story to this. But we, again, with this rise of the internet, all this information that's out there, people today are buying with purpose. How did how did people buy mattresses years ago? You just go to the local store. You sit on a couple beds, whatever's cheapest is delivered to your house the next day. That's not the way people are buying today. There's so much choice out there, and they're seeking out information from Better Homes and Gardens editors, what they have to say about certain mattresses or um, toxic-free, you know, sort of material, how to design toxic-free homes. They're following creators on YouTube that, that specialize in this, that are constantly posting the latest on that same topic. And so, you know, the interior designers, right? Um, you know, and so... This is how you connect and be relevant with the modern consumer because they are buying with more purpose. They are putting in the time and effort to research these things. And these are the ways in which businesses are kind of realizing that, engaging with that. So you can, you know, just do your own research online. You can use um, technologies and platforms like, you know, some of, I mentioned the impact.com company that I work for. We make it easy for businesses to search and find for these types of partners, these influencers, these publishers, these other businesses. We automate the way that they talk to each other, discover each other. There's a lot of automation in that. There's recommendations that are given on both sides in the marketplace. You know, make it easy to kind of sign contracts with each other, provide links and codes for tracking, and handle the payment flow between the two and payments exchange, that sort of thing. All right. Well, I love the examples that you've provided. And I note that they all involve sort of online businesses. And I can definitely see how when you're buying something online, you know, you can't kick the tires, so to speak. You can't touch the fabric. You can't bounce on the bed to see, you know, how firm it is or whatnot, where you really need to get the input from other people who've purchased the product, who've tasted the product. But what about Main Street businesses, for example, that are more local, where you can actually walk into a brick and mortar store and try something. What opportunities are there for them for partnering with influencers? You know, I would say that this is becoming mainstream, this form of buying, even for local businesses where a lot of purchase behavior is happening online. I think businesses have made it easy to return things, to source this kind of information. So, you know, you're pretty certain that this is this is what you want. And so you will make that decision online, but even for local businesses, uh, gosh, there's so many examples to, to share there. So, you know, there are, you know, like this might not be the best local business, but the first thing I'm thinking of is uh, BarkBox. They sell a subscription service for like dog toys and treats and things like that. They have a partnership with pet shelters. And so pet shelter, as you're adopting a dog, let's say at a pet shelter, there's a sample BarkBox that's on the floor and your new adopted dog is playing with the toys and the person sitting at the pet shelter, you know, in at the counter, let's say you're handing over paperwork and whatnot, will also hand them a postcard that says, hey, we're partnering with BarkBox. I see your dog is enjoying your toys. Just so you know, if you become a new subscriber, they donate $25 to the pet shelter for every new subscriber that we send them. You know, it's somewhat related to that local business in terms of how they can actually earn a commission on some of these sales. There's a similar partnership with Microsoft has with local chambers of commerce, with training centers. So your local businesses that are training people on software will provide a welcome kit to students that might have a code for a discount on Microsoft software, for example. So that's a key part of you know, Microsoft's, how they're you know selling software. It used to be that you would sell it in a local store and they would transact with the end consumer. But today, the trend has been towards referral partnerships where 
you know, you know people are, are just kind of referring people over to, you know, to purchase. But, you know, I don't care if it's, if it's a cone of ice cream or if it's, you know, think of like the, like I said, the compatible partnerships. I'm not an agency, so it's, it might be hard for me to come, come up with some specific examples offhand. But like a, there's a lot of like related and compa- compatible businesses down any main street of any local town, like people who, you know, are out to dinner for pizza are likely to go to the ice cream store, you know, for dessert. Doesn't it make sense that those two businesses are partnering with each other, like handing out, you know, a postcard or a code and, you know, maybe there's, it's just all earned where they're just, they're agreeing to hand out a certain, certain number of referrals every day, or maybe there's a mission paid on each sale. I'm sure they can figure it out, but this is kind of like the thing, like this, what I'm saying has been around for hundreds of years, probably like this, this idea of partnerships. But what I think has not been the case is businesses understanding the importance today more so than ever of the role of partnerships as the main needle mover for acquiring revenue as a business. And especially when you use platforms to help automate it and understand its value, track its value. I think if you look at the reports, you're like, wow, I'm actually getting a lot of referrals from a variety of different partners I've got on Main Street. You know, maybe I'm going to work a little harder on this partnership. Maybe I'll up a commission to them so they work harder to promote me with every business or with every customer rather. Hopefully that gives you some ideas on how that works. Yeah, you have. I mean, this is like the networking with complementary businesses, people that aren't directly competing mm-hmm. with you, but have a, you know, an adjacent product or service that could help your customers and vice versa. So, you know, I think it's one thing to talk about it in just the online space, but you're right. It, it has mm-hmm. existed in the um, in Main Street. So that's all good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that you've started to refer to, and I, I would appreciate it if you could expand a little bit in partnering with influencers, whether they're brick and mortar businesses or they're online influencers, you know, your YouTube star, what have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. the best way to craft a deal? I think a lot of the partnerships start with some sort of fixed fee. Like when you're at scale, well, there's two ways in which partnerships with, with influencers and creators specifically happen. One is where the creator is just so passionate about your product, they're going to seek you out and they're going to post a video, they're going to create some content and just talk about how much they love you. That's great. And I would say that when that happens, offer them an affiliate link, a commercial link so that they can earn a commission if they were to refer you business. It's very easy to kind of get started that way. Is to have a program on your website or in your store available. Say, hey, we'd love for you to talk about us. You could be an ambassador you know, as a customer. It's another way to work with influencers. Use this code so we can track and, and credit value to you and, and, and in some way compensate you. It could be you can gift them something. You can give them a coupon. You can give them a discount. You can give them a payment. There's another way in which brands are pursuing working with influencers and creators, and it's where, you know, there's there's something that that creator has that they desire. It could be a big audience. It could be a certain style. They just want their brand associated with that creator in some way. They just really like the way that they go about things. With that sort of approach, those tend to be, like, more campaign-based in nature. They may pay a fixed fee for them to create a certain type of content. They're going to track different like ROI analytics and metrics on what they're doing there that might be like more engagement metrics. It could be could be clicks, it could be likes, it could be comments, some, some other engagement metrics, maybe not sales. And then after that campaign is over, it could, could be a month, let's say, then it might revert to a performance-based sort of relationship where it reverts to more like affiliate tracking or you know, you know just you know, tracking and paying on, on a commission on sale. Another way, an extension of that would be where there's some licensing to where that creator is producing content, it's their IP, their original content that is licensed to the brand. The brand can then put on their website 
they could use it in commercials or in some other you know content that they have as a brand, their retail content, you know, promote it elsewhere. They can boost you know that post. They can pay Facebook or Instagram, for example, to post that to get that piece of content into somebody's feed who doesn't like follow that person. There's there's ways to promote it that way. You can target it through through geos. All different ways in which on very different levels with the creator. But there's one specific point that I want to make about working with creators. And this is like really, really important. Why we call partnerships a third category next to sales and marketing. And that means that this is not an ad. Meaning what is paramount is that you respect the creator, the influencer's unique relationship with their audience. They do not want to be seen as that cheesy salesperson who's saying something to their audience that they do not believe in, that they're being told to say, right? They're not running an ad. They're going to talk about things in, in an authentic voice, typically. These are the best partnerships, right, and engagement between the creator and the brand that they're that they're trying to work with. Take the guardrails off. Let them connect with their audience in their own unique way. Let them say things that they don't like about your product also, because that is what the modern consumer is after. They want the truth. They want the the real deal of what's going on. And I think they're going to respect it more. And guess what? People are still going to buy, even if they point out some things that they, that they, that they think could be better with the product. So it is a, it is a new paradigm that I think businesses have to wrap their heads around that they are not in full control of the creative, the narrative. You got to loosen up the strings there a little bit and let creators do what they do. You know, they connect with their audience. Well, thank you for sharing that and pointing that out. That is a really important point because I think some people are under the impression, well, here's the ad copy and, you know, so-and-so who's famous or has a big following, just read it. Mm -hmm. And I guess some people do that, but it doesn't have the same, you know, ring to it as when they're saying, hey, you know, I saw Dave's book over here and it's a little long, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You get it. And, and that's still happened. And the big celebrity influencers, Kardashians are going to, you know, put products up. They'll put hashtag ad, you know, on their, I mean, it's an ad. That's fine. It has a role in this concert experience that we have, the surround sound of trying to make people aware of things. I'm not saying it's bad. All I'm saying is it's becoming less relevant. People see right through that. And back to my hundred years ago analogy, Think about how we've been trained, right? All those food ads. We saw this amazing looking Big Mac on the TV screen when we're standing in line to order a burger at McDonald's. And then the food that we get looks like it's been run over by a car. Like we've been trained to know that what we see in an ad is not true. That's not reality. And we're seeking out the truth and more accurate information from these people that we trust, businesses that we trust. That's what we're saying that this economy is all about is businesses forming alliance with these other sources of information, these other businesses who have a trusted relationship with the customer they're trying to do business with, you know, find a way to create that partnership. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in the few minutes that we have left, Dave, I'm really interested in your take on what you think the most important thing is that we need to know about partnering with influencers. Most important thing that I think we need to know about partnering with influencers, I think I've already covered it. Honestly, Hannah, it's like the, the main point, I'll just underscore it again, is you've got to trust in their connection with their audience, right? You, you have to respect that. If it's not a fit, if they're, if it's not a good partnership between you and that creator, you need to find another creator or influencer to work with. Like you cannot, you know, try and control the narrative of what they're trying to say to their audience. You've got to, you know, give them some latitude to speak with an authentic voice. That's the most important thing. All right. 
Well, thank you so much for your time and taking us on this behind-the-scenes journey on the best way to expand our market reach and accelerate business growth by partnering with influencers. I think it's a new way for some people to think about it. And, you know, it's important. Like you said, things are changing and the way people are buying products and services, even local ones, are changing. They're going to the reviews. They're looking for some guidance and they're going to go to more than one spot. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Dave's work, his book, The Partnership Economy, or his podcast of the same name, you can find that information in the show notes at Business confidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from today's interview, who could do some partnering with influencers, please tell them about this podcast episode, share the link and leave a positive review. So thank you for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.